I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Dungeon. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And thank you for following us on all our various social media channels. Most importantly, please, please leave us a review on iTunes. It is most important. Today's show is brought to you by Leo Vegas. Every week, me and the Egg Chasers, uh, i.e. me, Tim and Phil, will do a prediction for a game. This week, our featured Leo Vegas game is England versus Ireland. If you want to know what we said and what our predicted point spreads are, you can do it one of three ways. You can go to the Leo Vegas website, which we highly recommend. You can look on Twitter, where we will be posting our predictions sometime this week. Or, of course, you can download the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the biggest rugby podcast in the world. And there they are. We will break down the game in excruciating detail. So thanks again to Leo Vegas for supporting this podcast and also the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. Now, in case you don't know, we are off to Romania this weekend, me, Tim and Phil, doing our live show and also covering the Georgia-Romania game. So what better interview to have than the coach of what is arguably the strongest tier two nation at the moment, Milton Hogg of Georgia. Hope you enjoy the interview. Uh, how's things with you? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. We just uh, we've had uh, players have had a day off today, so um, to rest up, and then we've got our final training. When, when are you guys flying in? Did you say? Uh, we're coming in on Friday, so a week this Friday. We're landing uh, about. I think we're getting into accommodation about one in the morning. Uh, then we've got a afternoon of fun and frolics at the spa there and watching Six Nations. And then we are with yep. you guys. I think the numbers stand at about 100 flying over. Really? Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and why? Tell well, me. Because, well, we've got a podcast over here called Egg Chasers. Yeah. And it's, it's, fairly, it's fairly large now. We've got a good following. And we decided that we'd do a live show. And we thought, yeah. well, where would we, where we do that? Because it's our first ever one. And we didn't really want yep. to get much attention. So we yeah. could go under the radar. So we thought, oh, go and watch Tier 2 or go and watch uh, Romania versus Georgia. We put, yeah. t- t- put tickets up for sale and uh, 100 people followed us. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's basically it. We were hoping to get 10. Crazy. Yeah, can't, can't wait to watch the game, though. It, it should be fascinating. Yeah, you yeah, know, it's, it's always good. Um, I mean, I know it's, it's, it's scheduled for Bucharest, but, yeah, I mean, they've had, they've had that, uh, that unrest, those protests there at the moment. So I'm, yeah. I'm, ho- I'm hoping, I'm hoping, like, Keg, uh, that doesn't affect it. I don't think it will, but, um, you know, it's just you never know with those types of countries, you know what I mean? It can get out of hand pretty quickly, that's for sure. Yeah, completely. What's the situation like over in Georgia? Because obviously they've had their own political unrest. Oh, mate, that, that's a wee while ago. So, um, no, I mean, look, I've been here five years and there's been literally nothing. So, um, so yeah, I mean, apart from, obviously, you, you have, every now and then, you have a little bit of uh, sort of election, around the election periods, but once that goes and everything sort of died, dies down, you know what I mean? But, no, nah, no, nah, it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty safe here. I think it got voted in the top five safest cities by the FBI at one stage. Is that stage. right? 
and, and it's basically because it, it is. I mean, you have a lot of, um, uh, you know, you have a lot of visibility around the police force here. Yeah. So, um, and it's not not because it's a dangerous place. It's just because um, they've, you know, that, that one of the things that they've always done ever since I've been here is that you know police presence has always been a deterrent, really. Mm. Um, and so that that obviously works. And the other part about that is, um, you know, it's a pretty it's a pretty hospitable place for foreigners. And um, I mean, like any any big city. I mean, there's there's probably about a you know uh, I mean the official the official count is about one point five million people here. But there's, in my opinion, there's probably about two point five. Oh, it's a big city, uh, though. Oh no, it's a big city. It's a big big city, Tbilisi. It's a big city. Um, but you know, uh, you, you don't, you don't sort of, you don't get. You know, I mean, you can walk around the city at night around here, and there's no problem, no problem at all. So, yeah, so one of the things I've read about yourself is you were the first foreign coach of Georgia to actually move his family over. Yeah, I was. Yeah, in fact, when, when I said to them that I was coming over to live, they could. When, when we talked about it initially, um, they said full time, and I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Full, I'm going to move. I'm going to move there, and I'm bringing my family. And they. They said, "Really?" And I said, "Yeah," because <laughs> you know it was always my opinion to, that if you were going to make any changes and be part of, you know, like sort of obviously, you know, do, do a really good job, then you had to be part of the community, really, and you had to, you had to live here and not only not only enjoy the and celebrate the successes you had, but you also had to feel, um, you had to feel disappointment than if you had if you lost. Yeah. So when you walk around the street, you've got to, yeah, like people aren't happy. Then you know that if you're if you're walking around the street and this is this is the feeling, then it sort of it tends to motivate you to, to for, for it not to happen again. You know what I mean? So, I can, so um, that's amazing. So, what was the re recruitment process like? How did you fall into this job? Oh well, the the, um, the Georgians after after 2011 in New Zealand, the World Cup in New Zealand, uh, they they came to they approached New Zealand Rugby and said that they wanted New Zealand to coach them and mm -hmm. could they suggest somebody. And so the NZRU came to me and said, look, you know, uh, Georgians are looking for a, a Kiwi coach. We think you're the guy to do the job. Uh, would you be interested? So, uh, so I said, oh, well, I have to go home and ask the boss. <laughs> so I uh, went home and, and asked my wife and she said, yeah, let's go. And so it was a good time for us because the kids were that age where, you know, they, they could they could move and, and, and be pretty adaptable. And my wife was looking to sort of like give them something, you know, give the family a bit of an experience. So uh, it just happened to be good timing. So I had to go through the process, obviously, because it's World Rugby appointed. Yes. And um, so, but yeah, in the end, that's how it ended up happening, really. You ended up getting the job and, you know, nearly, I'm, I'm into my sixth year now. So That's amazing. Yeah, so I must be doing something okay. So, so uh, what did you know about Georgian rugby before you moved? Or before they approached you, even? <clears throat> oh, well, I'd watched them at the World Cup, uh, certainly. You know what I mean? So I knew that they were... Um, I knew they were a big, big physical forward pack, but sort of were pretty one-dimensional, really. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that was so that was the, the sort of glaringly obvious thing to me when I watched them, is that, you know, they're a good forward pack and big and abrasive, uh, good set piece, but... You know they were pretty limited in terms of their ability to attack through their backs, um, just because of pure skill sets, really. So, uh, and then when 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 I sort of got off of the job, I sort of then reviewed all their tapes again, all their matches during the World Cup, and thought, well, you know, there's a really good platform to to, to sort of begin with. That we just have to get the skill sets, our catch and pass, and our ability to move the ball a bit wider and and put pressure and hold on to the ball a bit more. 
and put uh, put pressure because again, you know, you know, it's like I mean, um, if you're playing these big teams, if you're one dimensional and you've only got one way to to attack, and that's through your forward pack, that becomes pretty easy to defend. You see, so so that's like that's really been the sort of like what we've tried to do right from the beginning, and it's still the same thing that we're trying to do now. You know, what I mean, it's always trying to increase our our skill sets and our ability to to attack. Also. Our, our ability to make really good decisions under pressure, which is um, which has always been the, one of the one of the hardest things to do, is this game understanding and how to deal with pressure, how to relieve pressure, but then also how to uh, apply pressure to the opposition. So I mean, and that's just an ongoing thing, mate. To be honest. Yeah. So your background is originally you were a scrum half, so you're focusing a lot more on the skills. Because I, I guess. You know, if you were going to say what a George are really good at, it's exactly as you say, they're good scrimmages, good good at the set piece. This is the bit that you add on them. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, again, it's making sure that you continue to be strong in the in, in your in your strengths, as to say, but it's also uh, having an understanding that um, what we have to work on and what we what we continue to work on, so that you have a, a multifaceted way to play the game because if you look at if you I mean if you look at some of the better teams in the world that's what they're able to do they're able to change styles they're able to change tactics and the way they play throughout matches uh, depending on obviously conditions opposition all that sort of stuff so again that's no different from what we're trying to do we're, we're, we're trying to not only keep our, our our strength and set piece and use that to our advantage mm. but also uh, off the back of that, then be able to you know carry the ball well over the game line, get quick ball, and then have have some guys that are on the outside that have some agility and speed that can beat defenders and get in behind opposition defences. So um, you know if you do that, it doesn't matter which opposition you're playing, you'll always create opportunities for yourself. And that that's uh, ultimately you're just trying to score more points through through more tries, really. So what is the standard of rugby like in Georgia? And where do you get all of your players from? Are they club players, university players? Yeah, no, club, clubs mainly. I mean, um, the standard locally is okay. It's not great, but it's okay. Yeah. It sort of tends, like, like any sort of, I suppose, uh, country like ourselves, small, small player population at the moment in terms of senior players, um, it, it tends to go up and down every year. Uh, which is interesting. Um, so, and that that comes back down to the level of your coaching as well. So, you know, we a lot of our players are in France. Um, uh, we've got a few more going into the UK itself, playing in the uh, playing in Premiership for Worcester and Bristol. Mm. Uh, we're hoping we get a few more there, and as the doors open up, and certainly we're getting inquiries from uh, from English clubs or UK clubs. And that's been great, but um, again, it's just yeah. Most of our guys, 66% of our players will play in France, but we're lucky that at the moment, um, what's happened is our is our development now through our age grades in the last five years has been excellent. And now, you know, we're getting some very very good young players. You know, 19, 20, 21 year olds coming through that have had five years in the age grade systems and our academy systems, and who now are sort of coming into the national team with a bit more understanding of the game and a higher skill set than before. Uh, and their ability to play the game is, is you know, um, relative to obviously their, their, their better knowledge. So it, it's, for us, our future's really, really bright. And, you know, again, there's another good intake in, in terms of our under-18s and under-20s this year. So, you know, we're really pleased. But, um, yeah, it's, it, it's not only our local competition that, that, that is slowly improving, 
um, because we're get, getting these younger guys who are who are you know are moving into our senior ranks, but also just um, you know our players in France who are playing top 14, uh, who are playing Pro D2, our players who are playing the Premiership at the moment, all those types of um, opportunities for our players only strengthens our national team. So what, what is your exact role then? Is it just to look after the national team and make sure they're game ready? Because it sounds like you have a little bit more of an over, overarching role with coaching and the development of the players too. No, definitely. That's, I mean, in the long run, my, my primary role is obviously to win test matches with the national team, but um, I'm realistic. And it's the same philosophy that we have in New Zealand is that you've got to keep that development, player development program working as well because uh, you, you need to have a constant stream of players who mm. are coming through and putting pressure on whoever's the incumbent or whoever's you know the next in line. So we need we need the younger players pushing the older players. We need that that uh, that little sort of gold nugget or that that gem young player, that 18 year old that's uh, you know um, you know well above his years and, and has yeah. got the ability to be able to uh, play at international level. And we've, we, we've been able to develop a couple of those boys. Um, and, it, it, you know, that's the exciting part about it, really. But that, that as you say, that's just coming down to your programs and your, and your age grades and in your, your academy groups mm -hmm. and then also what we call in our wider training group. So I have a, a group of about 23 players that are with me every week here while I'm while they're, you know, Monday, Tuesdays and Wednesdays and then they go back to their clubs. But so, uh, you know, part of it, as you say, is is not only the national team, but also what lies underneath it mm. and making sure that that program is, is well and healthy. So do you have a network of coaches then which are uh, kind of developing and uh, your your philosophy, which then go out into the clubs or the age grade system as, as well? Yeah, no, we, we, have, we have some guys who obviously um, who are working for the National Academy set up. Mm -hmm. uh, but also with our age grade, if they're not in the National Academy setup, they're also in our age grade teams. Uh, we have a former assistant coach that was with the national team for four years, with me in four years, and now he's the uh, the national under-20s coach, which obviously are competing in the Junior World Cup, and that's important because, again, you get some of that philosophy going down and that expectation and understanding. That's really, really important for us, and he's doing a really good, Ely is doing a very good job. In, in that program but yeah you, you're right so it's just it's about just um i suppose spreading the gospel you know what i mean and and um making sure that everybody's aligned on how we want our development systems to work and our best practices and making sure everybody's uh implementing those uh, okay so who do you report into then are you an employee of the georgia national union or is it world rugby who you report reporting no, report my, my ultimate my, uh, my ultimate uh, uh, report is to is to the, the president of the union so ah, okay so, uh, but obviously world rugby have a big influence in in what we do here uh, and certainly you know uh, we're, we're one of those developing nations or those emerging nations that world rugby want want to do well you know what I mean so we're, we're well supported by world rugby uh, and you know again they have a big say around how our high performance program is structured and uh, we've got some KPIs that we need to meet every every quarter which you know we report back on so that's really good because it keeps us keeps us in check as well you know what i mean so um, but we we're, we're pretty confident now that we have a high performance system and an academy system that would uh, would compete with uh, anybody because really to be honest Jonathan all I've done is come here and implemented new zealand systems here yeah um, you know, because I've worked in those in New Zealand, so um, so it's working. And, and it, but you know, like it's like anything; it's just a constant. It's constant. It, you have to keep working on it. You have to keep on improving. 
interpreting it. You have to keep on looking at ways on how you get better. Um, because, you know, as I say, we don't have the, the pool of players like, uh, you know, Japan or like England or like some of the bigger nations. Mm. So what we have, we've got to use really, really well. Yeah. Uh, what is your view on young players leaving Georgia then? Because obviously when you look at the Tier 1 nations, I'll give you an example, Wales, for instance, they're paranoid about players playing outside of Wales. I assume that you actually want the opposite, do you? You want to get them on planes and get them into the top 14. Yeah, no, we do. I mean, certainly what we want is we want our players playing in really good competitions. I don't actually care where, they, where they're where they playing. It could be in the Southern Hemisphere, it could be in the Northern Hemisphere. But as long as they're in good good environments, uh, good, good S&C environments, good coaching environments, then we'll encourage them that. We kind of think that if we can, if we can have them until they're 20, and we can give them as much as we can here because we kind of think that our, our coaching systems here are, are, are good enough. And then after that, uh, once they've played in the Junior World Cup or in that under 20, represented that under 20 team, uh, you know, we're happy to, to, to move them through to other, other environments, absolutely. Um, but it, it always comes back down to, as I say to the players, is that, uh, you know, that it's the, the, the club that they're going to has got to be suitable for what they need, which means, you know, they're going to get exposure to, to high-class coaching. They're going to get exposure to high-class uh, S&C programs and nutritional programs. And they're also going to get regular game time, which is key, absolutely fundamental to a player's improvement and development. Um, because, you know, you can train all you want, but in the long run, you get better by playing. And so we always have that conversation with our players. Um, and again, it's just a matter of trying to make sure that we get them into really good environments. And as I say, we don't really mind where that is. Northern Hemisphere or Southern Hemisphere. It's just uh, trying to get our players opportunities. And I'm talking to coaches all around the world these days about that. Um, mm. So you know, it's working okay for us at the moment. Yes, yeah, so I, I imagine you've, you're almost in a situation where you, you really want agents to take notice of what you're doing there to get these, get these guys overseas. Yeah, obviously that's important because the agents are uh, generally the, 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 the conduit between us or the player, sorry, and 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 the clubs that are around the world, um, but also I think it's also helpful that um, you know I'm speaking to. I mean, I, I every every year I try and get over to the, the UK and go around clubs and talk to the Premiership clubs about our players. Um, uh, I'm also on the phone to a lot of coaches around around the world, not only in the Northern Hemisphere but in the Southern Hemisphere, just trying to. You know, tell them about Georgian players. Really, you know, I've got friends that are all over the world coaching in different parts of the world. So, you know, and th these days, you know, it's pretty good because you get you get clubs ringing me saying, "Look, there's an agent pushing this guy. What do you think? Is he good enough?" All that sort of stuff. And I'll always be honest because our reputation, uh, you know, is is on the line with that sort of stuff. But, you know, I'm really happy that there's been a, a lot more. Uh, knowledge about Georgian rugby players. There's been a lot more knowledge, obviously, since the the World Cup in England, mm. about uh, how Georgia plays and the and the potential of some of our players. Everybody wants a Georgian prop. Is about, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I was about to come on to that actually. Yeah, I mean, everybody wants a Georgian prop. So, unfortunately, uh, you know, not everybody that's a Georgian prop is, is <laughs> international standard, you know what I mean? So, you know, uh, but, you know, we do have a number of very, very good young guys that, that, that uh, you know, uh, we, we, we rate highly. So, um, but again, it's not just our props. We want playing international uh, rugby and internationally in different clubs. We also we also want our, our our inside backs and our outside backs having exposure to that level as well. Yeah, just on the Georgian prop thing, when he first arrived in 
at, in Georgia. Obviously, there's a huge reputation for these guys. How good are they? Well, I mean, as a general rule, these guys are built to scrum. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I don't know what it is. It's uh, it's just in their DNA that they're their stature and their, their, their uh, you know, just their muscle development and their, their, their natural strength is just incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you, you would you would drive around, you know, the main city here, the capital of, uh, of Georgia is Tbilisi, and so you you drive around uh, this city, and on every corner there's a there's a prop stand. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, and these are guys that don't even play rugby, you know what I mean? So probably never have, ever have played rugby, but you look at them and say, my goodness, wouldn't that guy be a good prop? So, um, you know, and they're athletic as well. So, and I think that comes back down to, um, you know, their backgrounds as kids in wrestling and judo, um, I think, you know what I mean? So, but whether they've been in judo or not, or wrestling, they've just got this... Uh, Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. DNA and and you know to be props and they're just phenomenally strong. So I always liken them to the the Pacific Islanders actually, and I mm. call them the uh, the Europe, Eastern Europeans of the Pacific. So uh, uh, you know they've got very similar DNA and very similar muscular and, and athletic makeup. That's for sure. Yeah, and and how does the Georgian mindset play into? Because it always strikes me as quite a, quite a, a masculine culture over there. Yeah, well it is obviously. I mean it's a. I mean th- this is a. I mean, this is a country that's defended themselves for nearly 8,000 years against invaders. I mean, they're, they're a small uh, Christian Orthodox country in the middle of a whole lot of Muslim countries. And they've been invaded by uh, uh, nearly, you know, I mean, Mongols. They've been invaded by Persians, Prussians, Ottomans, you know, you name it. These guys have been invaded by them. Mm. in their history so they've defended their country and they're still christian orthodox in the middle of you know after eight thousand years so they're fighters yeah and so you know they've uh, you know somebody said to me one day you know one day they'd be they'd be tending their their farm or their fields and the next day they're out defending it fighting against invaders so uh this is a little bit of their culture and it's a little again it's a little bit of their dna and and um, you know, to be honest, when I first came here, we had a bit of a problem with that, that on the rugby field sometimes. So, uh, but we don't have it anymore, uh, touch wood. But, you know, uh, again, it's just, it's part of their DNA, is part of their DNA have been, you know, fighters. And, and um, you know, I suppose, as you say, it's, it's you know, that, that could come down to the, their masculinity. I don't think it's that, but I certainly think that, you know, after 8,000 years of having to defend your lands, uh, some of that stuff soon rubs off on you in the natural in the natural life. Excellent. Well, tell me about the competition that you're playing in now. Uh, you're in the and let me guess right. Is it the European Nations Cup? Uh, it's now called the Rugby Europe Championship. Rugby so, Europe Championship. So yeah, I only I only got all the words wrong. So that's not that's not too bad. How are you finding it this year? And also, just tell me a little bit about what the German victory over Romania means for for the tournament in a more broader sense. Well, I mean, let's, let's start with that. I mean, um, 
I mean, that, that, that uh, in terms of the actual competition, uh, although, you know, Lynn Hell from Romania wouldn't like me saying this, but he'd probably admit it, it was, it was fantastic for the competition because all of a sudden, that first, the first game of the of, of first weekend, you had an upset. And that, that was genu- genuinely an upset, you know, and everybody mm. would agree with that. And even the German coaches talking to them, they, they said the same thing. Uh, so so it means that what it means is that, you know, you've got... Uh, Let's say, and I don't mean to be disrespectful, but what we perennially would call some of the underdogs are actually starting to get stronger and they're playing better rugby and they're actually showing that they can compete. Mm. Um, I mean, even even our game against Belgium that first weekend was very difficult. I mean, we ended up uh, running, out, running out comfortable winners, but I can tell you the first half was very, very difficult. So these guys are getting better. We played Spain in the weekend in... in uh, the Barcelona, uh, you know? Yeah, well, no, it was in it was in um, near Villa de Lid, uh, del, uh, Medina del Campo. Mm. So uh, it was in the middle of Spain, really. But I mean, again, twenty ten, we ran out the winners, but we were ten three behind at half time. So you know, we ended up uh, scoring seventeen unanswered points. But again, it was really, really difficult, and the, the competition from these as I say, uh, who would be regarded as sort of more underdogs, is just getting tougher and tougher. So the game's improving in all these countries. And certainly, uh, you know, they're, they're, it's going to keep on improving. So it's good for the competition, you mm. know what I mean? So And it keeps everybody alive. Uh, certainly it makes us as, as coaches, um, you know, not, not get relaxed, that's for sure. So we do our homework about these teams and make sure that we understand them really, really well before we play them. Um and as for us, obviously, uh, you know, we, we've won this competition for the last six years and, and we, we don't want this to be anything different this year. So we're very motivated to make sure that, um, you know, we, we continue that vein. We're using a lot of uh, our younger players this year, but that was always the plan, uh, even from last year. So, you know, post-World Cup 2015, we said that, uh, 17 would be our development window that we would look to add some younger players and uh, you know we're really pleased that we're giving them that opportunity because it gives us another layer of uh, player to select from in future and for the future so it's very important for us uh, this, the, the, the actual competition um, and it, it's important for us because A we're the defending champions but B uh, we also need to see some of our younger players play in this competition to, to because to be honest the June window is not a window to trial players yeah. uh, because we have very tough matches and November is definitely not a window to trial too many players because those are always very, very tough matches. So this is really our only uh, opportunity and window to be able to do that. But it's working well for us and we're really pleased on how some of our younger players are coming through. Well, I mean, obviously yourself and Len are big big name coaches in uh, in that competition. What do you attribute the improvement to people, sorry, countries like Belgium, Germany, Spain to? Are they going down the same route as Romania and Georgia? Have they all got foreign coaches? What, what's, the, what's the situation there? Um, well, generally, yes. I mean, um, it comes back down to, uh, I suppose, importing understanding and knowledge. And uh, with some of these countries, obviously, the game's very, very young and very, you know, um, and, and they don't have people... Uh, in those countries who who as coaches have a real high level of understanding of the game and also a, a lot of time in the game mm. and so I know Germany itself is is 
uh, coached by a South African Cobus. He's a he's a good man, and and he's doing he's doing a very very good job there. Yeah. Uh, Belgium uh, have I think a, a, a French coach, um, and there's also maybe a, a South African guy involved in there. I'm actually not too sure, but. Um, They've got they've got certainly a French coach who brings his experience uh, to their team. So generally, that's what happens. And then if you um, if you look at Spain, well, Spain's probably the only place now where um, uh, they have a they have their own. You know, obviously he's a Spanish national, mm. um, but he's been involved in the game for a very long time because rugby's been in Spain for a long time. So yeah, generally that's what happens. It's they just you know countries like ourselves and put that knowledge and that expertise to come in and help the national team. Okay, yeah. So, um, another thing I wanted to, to ask you about is you've been quite vocal uh, about Georgia and the Six Nations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, now, I can't help but think, because I watched the Romania-Germany game, and quite frankly, if Romania weren't in that tournament, Germany couldn't have beaten them. I understand why Georgia wants to be in the Six Nations, but do you think that... If that did happen, you might be foregoing the nations in the the Rugby Europe Cup. Um, well, I'm not sure. You know, the the, the thing is, is that uh, my job at, at the moment is to make sure that uh, if we the, the philosophy is this: if we're to have a different result in 2019 or 2023, mm. then it's really important that our players are exposed to a higher level of Test rugby. It's as simple as that. So if you then think back, okay, well, what do we have to do to be able to do that? Then obviously getting into a competition like Six Nations or Super Rugby or getting a team into, you know, the Premiership or obviously the Top 14 or something like that, um, you know, those are the types of things or the initiatives that we have to keep trying to chase. Uh, Because, again, if we want to improve... Uh, those are the types of things that will help us improve. Yeah, uh, we won't we won't keep improving uh, on what we're doing at the moment. We certainly won't keep improving if we continually playing in the Rugby Europe Championship as it is at the moment. You know what I mean? Um, because again, it's just not the level. And it's no being not being disrespectful to any of the teams that are involved in that. But that's the reality that we we would struggle to be able to be able to compete with a tier one consistently if we don't have. Uh, better test matches. Mm. Now, if you look at June, uh, what happens at the actual schedule of the test campaigns at the moment, the test campaign is already done globally uh, for Tier 1s right through to 2019. Now, there's a couple of windows in each November test window that, that, are, that are available, but, you know, there's 10, 10 or 12 Tier 2 teams who are sitting around a table scrapping for one window. Yeah. You know what I mean? So everybody's saying, we want that, we want that, we want that. And unfortunately, you know, between sort of 11 and, and 9 teams are going to miss out and one's going to get it. So then if you think, okay, we can't do anything about the current test, test schedule, we've got to find other campaigns or other, other opportunities for ourselves to be able to increase our team. And that's really one of the reasons... Uh, why this started about 18 months ago after the World Cup, where a journalist asked me, you know, what what do you think about getting into the Six Nations? And my reply was, well, mate, if we could do that, that, that would be a lifesaver for us. And that's generally where this conversation has sprung from. So, obviously, um, I'm I'm a I'm a big supporter of trying to get an expanded Six Nations. But if not, well, then if it was a promotion relegation and that's what the public were looking for, well, then obviously we'd obviously be on top of that as well. You yeah. know what I mean? So uh, it's just, again, 
looking at how we improve our rugby and how we improve our test schedule. And that's what it comes back down to. And it's obvious that, you know, uh, at the moment, uh, the way that uh, things have been happening for Italy and, and, you know, generally the media have been driving this conversation, not me. I'm just a participant in the conversation, uh, a very willing one, obviously. Yep. But, um, again, it's just uh, me answering questions and saying, well, you know, would you like to play? And, of course, we would. I think the most unfair thing, and actually one of the biggest improvements to the to, to rugby recently is the treatment of the autumn. So prior to, I think, last season, was it? The autumn internationals were pretty dull. It would be the same teams playing the same teams, and you could see England versus Australia eight times in the space of three years if you really wanted to. I mean, particularly if England went over to Australia and played them three times and another two times yeah. in, in Twickenham. I think it's awful, actually, that they haven't got the Tier 2 nations playing in the autumns much, much earlier on. But now that yeah. they're all there, it makes everything a lot more interesting. Yeah, well, we'd hope so. I mean, and again, you know, uh, it, it's all about, look... It's very difficult, and and I, and for us, Scotland was absolutely the example that you know um, we played against. And again, no disrespect to our opposition, Japan and and, and Samoa. Um, you know, we played those two teams before we went and played Scotland. They'd come off Argentina and and Australia, uh, and the level in that first half for our players to adjust to was just phenomenal. I mean, the gap was was there for everybody to see, really. The pace of how they played, the skill level of how they paid, played was just, you know, something that it took us 40 minutes to be able to get our heads around. And by that time, you know, it was it was 31-12 or something like that, you know what I mean? Mm. And the game's gone. Now, we played better in the second half, for, for sure. But, um, you know, that was glaringly obvious. And, again, a one-off, is is I mean, mate, we're happy to have that. Absolutely, we we love that opportunity to be able to play one of the tier ones. But again, it's very difficult to contest or compete uh, with those types of teams with just one game a year. You know what I mean? Um, because again, it's just like anything. The more you do it, the better you get at it. And 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 again, this is one of our conversations and. Uh, that we're having with obviously world rugby at the moment. Now you obviously gave uh, Tripolisi a, a glowing review earlier on. Um, would it be su- a suitable place to have a test match for, say, a team like England? Oh, I think so. I mean, um, you know, the first and foremost, uh, there would be uh, a stadium packed of sixty thousand people and probably another fifteen outside trying to get in. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, it'd be an atmosphere that certainly maybe. Uh, you know, uh, an English team would never have played in front of because it's pretty crazy. Um, you know, they're, they're so passionate about their, their, their rugby here. Um, the next thing is, is that, you know, I've often been asked about that in terms of supporters. You know, would would the supporters be able to enjoy themselves? And, you know, as I've said many times in many interviews, that I would challenge anybody that once they've spent two or three, four days here, that if they didn't have a good time, I'll go he. Uh, because again, there's a couple of things about that. Georgians are, Georgians are just a minute. Uh, Georgians are. Uh, sorry, um, Georgians are Georgians are very Georgians are known for their hospitality yeah. and 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 also um, uh, the, the the quality of the food food and wine here is is something to to really experience. But then also. You know, the city itself has got massive, it's got sort of, the city is 5,000 years old, so it's got a massive 
culture and, and history uh, DNA to it. And, and we're, we're pretty confident that um, anybody visiting the city or within the, the, the outer city and around the mountains and that would have absolutely a wonderful time. And on top of that, the, the exchange rate that you know people will be able to enjoy themselves, uh, you know, be pretty cheap for somebody touring here on either on euro or uh, um, or on pound, British pounds. That's for sure. So we're pretty confident that if you came here, as most tourists have, uh, you know, we had uh, just in the last two months we've had 755,000 tourists visit this this country, uh-huh. um, and we pretty we, we're pretty much confident that you you'd be able to have a good time. That's for sure. Challenge accepted. <laughs> well, yeah, Jonathan, uh, with, next time, don't book it for Bucharest. Make sure you come. You should have come here for Russian at this weekend. So, uh, but yeah, because it certainly would have been an experience for you. But no, I mean, by all means, uh, maybe next year you guys can uh, schedule that in. Almost certainly. Um, what is your test schedule like then? Uh, for uh, are you on the same windows as the Northern Hemisphere? Obviously, you know that. Yeah, obviously, yeah. So, so we've got our June test window. Uh, and then uh, we, we're touring the the Americas, Canada, America, and South America. Then, and then we've got uh, obviously our autumn our autumn window in November. So now we, we pretty much play the same international windows as as the big the, the big boys. That's for sure. Now, as we are bringing out quite a few fans to watch Romania, Georgia, uh, and it's fair to say a lot of these fans haven't had as much exposure to Georgian rugby as maybe they should have. Can you just give us a, a bit of a guide to your team? Who who to watch out for, um, what to expect? Okay, well, I mean, most people will probably know Mamuka Gugodze. So, I mean, he's been yeah. to a couple of World Cups and certainly was to the forefront of our 215 campaign. Uh, so he's obviously somebody. Um, then, you, you know, you're going to see uh, some younger younger props, Lasha Tabidze, who's a big tight head. He's still 19, so he's still got a, he's got another year in, in the uh, Junior World Cup. But he's... He's somebody that we've got big reps on. Uh, he's he's 19. He's 100 123 kgs, and he can move around uh, the paddock pretty well. He's uh, not only a good scrummager, but a very good tackler and carrier. So he's somebody that we definitely think you should watch out for. Obviously, Vassal Lobzunidze, who who was the youngest uh, scrum half to ever participate in a World Cup. Uh, where's he now? Well, he's in Breathe. He he plays for Breathe in top 14 now. So. But uh, he he certainly will be back. Uh, he played in Spain last week, and he'll certainly be in Romania, that's for sure. Uh, so you know about him, and he's he's going to be there. But we also now think that uh, we've got a young guy. Uh, well, he's played 50 games. He's not young. He's 23. He's played 50 games already. Uh, Merab uh, Shadakadze, who's the number 12, and he played at the Junior World Cup as well. So we kind of think he's a midfielder that's going to that's uh, hopefully we'll get it. We'll get into the UK soon. Um, and so your 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 fans and uh, your followers will be able to watch him a little bit more, hopefully. And then there's another young uh, midfielder called uh, Georgi Koshadze. Uh, he's a number 13, big, young, strong lad, uh, graduate out of our under 20s from last year, and he's an excitement machine. So uh, you know, you know, things are really uh, you know those are the types of people. And then you know your your your, your followers might also. Uh, no, um, Mira uh, Krikashvili, who's our number 15, and uh, he just yeah. passed the 100, 100 games. So he, once we get to Romania, he'll be 103 games and our highest point scorer, uh, most capped player ever. So uh, he's somebody that's been to four World Cups already and looking to get to his mm. fifth. So um, so those are just some of the players that certainly uh, your, your, your followers will be able to watch next week against uh, Romania. Incredible. How how revered is uh, Mamuka Gogodza? Because he's revered in Toulon. 
Yeah, oh, uh, he's he's on every bus, every city bus in this town. <laughs> There's photos <laughs> of every bus. So, oh, but he's uh, he's he's obviously one of the most recognised sportsmen, if not the most recognised sportsman in this country. So is that right? It, that goes to show you how popular rugby is, that's for sure. Well, Sale had a Moldovan prop called, I'm, I'm going to forget his name now, which is, which is embarrassing. Who was that, sorry? Who had um, Sale Sharks had a Moldovan oh, prop. Yes. Yeah, no, I know that. I, uh, can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember his name, but I know that he was from Moldova, yeah. Oh, he's a really good player, really nice man. I could yeah. not remember his name. Anyway, and I was talking to some of the lads in Sale, and apparently, I mean, yeah, he's a good prop. He's on all of the buses in uh, Moldova, which, which I yeah. think, think is just astounding. Yeah, well, again, rugby's a pretty popular game there. So, mm. uh, you know, uh, in Moldova, they're sort of playing the, the 1B championship at the moment. So, But they've had some pretty good results in the last uh, few years, that's for sure. Excellent. Well, uh, Milton, I'm going to let you go because what my listeners don't realise is it's four o'clock in the afternoon in the UK, but actually you're in your office at eight at night <laughs> and you've got a big game on the weekend. So I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, no hopefully problem. we we'll catch up with you in uh, in Romania Maybe. at some point. Yeah, well, I, I hope uh, hope I do catch up with your your yourself and your your hundred people that are coming over. So that'll be excitement. That'll be a real good thing. So make sure they're uh, ch- uh, cheering for Georgia. Though that's going to be really important. So. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, one last thing. Do you have any social media which we can follow you on? Anything like that? Uh, like Twitter and stuff. Yeah. yeah. No, no. <laughs> I do have a Twitter account, but I've never on it. Mate. I wouldn't know how to use it to be honest. My daughter set it up for me, so. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, no, not really, mate. Uh, I'm on, I'm on Facebook, but again, that's uh, not not something that I use often. That's for sure. So, I'm a I'm a 50 year old man that really <laughs> doesn't, uh, so, doesn't use it. Uh, much. What's the best way for us to find out about Georgian rugby then? Let, let, let's put it another oh, way. Oh, just go to just go to Georgian rugby. Uh, uh, webs they've got a, they've got a Twitter account and they've got a, certainly they've got a Facebook account that you can follow it by by they're very good so they keep everything up to date that's for sure superb all right well thanks again really appreciate it okay John planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen premium luggage options buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thanks very much, and we'll see you guys next week in Romania. See you there. Bye-bye.